0: we actually have the words of God. This is almost too good to be true. Um, And yet, so often we are um, so accustomed to this reality, which, frankly, is one of the greatest wonders in the universe, that it barely moves us to handle the Bible with care, with awe, or even access God's words with the frequency they deserve. They say familiarity can breed contempt. I'd say a bigger problem for us as God's children is familiarity with his word can breed neglect. Um, We know that scarcity drives demand. But abundance can lead to apathy. So many of us have multiple Bibles on our shelves, in multiple translations even. We have copies on our computers and our phones. We have access to the very words of God like never before. Yet, truly, how often do we appreciate, do we marvel at the wonder of what we have? One of the greatest facts in all of history is that God gave us a book. He gave us a book. He has spoken. He has revealed himself to us through prophets and apostles and appointed that they write down his words, that they be preserved. We have his words. We can hear in our very souls the voice of God himself by his spirit, through his book. Think of all that God went to and the patience to make his self-revelation accessible to us here in the 21st century. For centuries, God's word was copied by hand and preserved with great diligence and care. And then for the last 500 years or so, we have the printing press, and God's word has gone far and wide like never before. Men and women gave their lives and upset many uh, religious and political apple carts along the way to translate the words of God into the native language of the people they related to. And now in the digital age, access to God's own words has exploded again. And yet, yet with such abundance, do we really appreciate what we have? Do we marvel at what we have Or is it just the thing on the shelf that we grab every morning? Because that's what we do. Do we have an awe? Do we have um, a thankfulness for it? Do we, as individuals, as churches, make the most of the unending riches we have with such access to the scriptures? Open your Bibles to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. I pray you'll be able to follow along with me this morning. Um, This is a... Well, the title of the message this morning is simply The Word. Um, And this is something that has been just simmering on some burner in my mind for the last couple months. Um... And, and so you go to things like Ministers' Week, and they talk about expositional preaching and talk about uh, topical preaching. And um, I think there was one on typological at one point. Um, and I was a little concerned this morning as I was going back over my notes thinking, well, is this just observational? Um It is what it is. Psalm 19, we're going to read starting at verse 7. Think about how the psalmist looked and considered and had awe and appreciation for the words of God. Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. God is honored when we approach his words. um, These words that that revive the soul and rejoice the heart, when we approach them that way with, with the joy and appreciation that they do revive the soul, that they do rejoice the heart, there is a glory God gets, there is an honor God gets when we treat his words as more to be desired than gold, as sweeter than honey. The Bible is not the gate through which we have to pass to get through to the rest of life for the day. The Bible is the portal through which we get to interact with the world. God has not only spoken in this book that we call the Bible, but he is speaking. Hebrews 4 verse 12, for the word of the God. Excuse me, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is living and powerful. Not only has God spoken in this book, but he is speaking. No word of God is a dead word. God said to Jeremiah, Is not my word like fire and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? No word of God is a dead word. From cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation, God has captured for his church his... um, Martin Luther called it uh, his objective external word. Um, But it's, it's through which he speaks, present tense... Um, to his people through the power of his spirit that dwells in us. We hear God's voice in his word by his spirit. And so, well, we have this uh, exhortation in Hebrews 12:25: See that you do not refuse him who speaks. Um, if you've ever been around someone who talks a lot, you, know, you just kind of tune it out. Um, maybe it seems like God talks a lot. You don't refuse the one who speaks. We're also given a pretty heavy instruction and invitation in 2 Timothy 2.15. This is a pretty familiar verse. 2 Timothy 2.15 is where it says, Study or be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Um, I'm just remembering we, for a while, when I was younger, we went to um, an Awana, which is a type of Bible club. Um, and that comes from Approved Workmen Are Not Ashamed, um, A-W-A-N-A. That word there, study or be diligent, is the same word we uh, read or quoted in Second Peter this morning when we talked about being diligent. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This instruction is not just to Timothy, it is not just to pastors then and now. This is a call to rightly handle the word of truth that is to the whole church. While the world swirls with um, destructive words, Most of the words uh, that the world throws around are meant to knock down, not to build up. Um, God calls his church to first receive, to have, and then to respond, to handle his words. This idea of be diligent is to do your best. It's literally the idea of to be zealous, to be eager, to make every effort to present yourself to God as one approved. We point ourselves to God first and foremost in our handling of his word and then secondarily to others. This is how we can be a worker who has no need to be ashamed. Now, of course, being a worker requires work, labor, the exertion of effort. You're spending some energy. You're investing some time. To be a worker for God also calls for patience of lifelong learning. So, to work without cutting corners, to be unashamed, to not mishandle the task, to build each other up, not tear each other down. You know, people of the world pursue the pleasures of sin. They don't just wait around for them to show up. The people of the world are out there chasing the pleasures of sin We, as disciples of Christ, we don't wait around for holy pleasures. We don't passively engage with God through his words. We pursue. We read actively. We study. We meditate. If we are truly persuaded that God himself is indeed the greatest everything, is there any better avenue to pursue him than through his own words? Turn to John 1. John chapter 1. This is in the middle of my notes, but this is actually where my thoughts started on this subject. We're going to read the first. 18 verses of John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, has declared him. Whatever you think and love about Jesus which there's a lot there to think about and a lot about Jesus to love. I guess I would tend to often think of his meekness, his kindness, his patience, his compassion. John, in these verses, wants you to see that it is all inside something big, something bigger, something huge. Jesus made the galaxies This Jesus, whose meekness, kindness, patience, and compassion you love, this Jesus who held children in his arms, is the one who made the world and is God. But we can wonder, and should wonder, I would say, why John chose or was inspired to call him the Word. Could he have used something else? In the beginning was the truth, in the beginning was the light. In the beginning was the way. In the beginning was the life. All of those would be accurate. John could have used any one of those. John calls Jesus the Word. He saw Jesus. He came to see that Jesus, the words of Jesus, the things that came out of his mouth, they were the truth of God. And the person of Jesus was the truth of God and they were unified in such a way that Jesus himself um, in his coming, his working, his teaching his dying, his rising um, was, was that final word from God John listened to Jesus teach and he saw Jesus work and and his, his person and his word were so unified that In totality, it was word. It was message from God. Um, To put it another way, what God had to say to us, um, what God had to say to the world, was not just or even mainly what Jesus said. Many take Jesus as uh, a teacher to be admired, but they're very selective about what they believe. What God had to say to the world was not mainly what Jesus said, but also who Jesus was and what he did. In a way, that was the main thing God had to say to us. His words clarify himself in his work, but his self in his work is is where the main truth that God was revealing. John watched... This man be truth, be the message, and speak the message. And you see them come together over and over again as you read through the Gospel of John, for example. And John seems to draw the conclusion or is inspired to the best thing he can call Jesus from eternity is God's word, God's message to us. God's decisive message became flesh. Turn to Hebrews chapter 1. This is also, I almost said the perspective of Paul, the perspective of the writer of Hebrews. I tend to think it was Paul, but that's neither here nor there. The Holy Spirit-inspired writer of Hebrews had the same perspective as John, had the same approach as John, here, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Sound a little bit like John 1, maybe? Who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high the son of god was the ultimate decisive and final word of god to the world as we look at god the father we see two certainties he really wants us to know him and he is impossible to understand which causes me some level of consternation. Um, He really wants us to know him. That is a certainty about God. And he really is impossible to understand. Um, C.S. Lewis said... I can't quote it, but it was something along the lines of um, us in humanity trying to understand God in his fullness would be like sketching a two-dimensional sketch and expecting that to be able to understand us in three dimensions. It just doesn't work. Uh, there's, there's, uh, There's a whole chunk missing that you just can't understand or fill in. Consider John 1 again. Who spoke the Word? In the beginning was the Word. Words are spoken or generated. Who spoke the Word? Obviously the answer is God the Father. Look at that passage, he was the only one around. So what was he talking about? Since we know that all things were created through the Word... We know that the Word was spoken before all things were created. (coughs) With me so far? All things were created through the Word, um, which means the Word was spoken before all things were created. So, God spoke it. And the only thing God had to talk about was himself. The Word, then, was about God. God describing himself. And if we follow this Word through time... We find that all of creation came through it. All those limited things we can feel, smell, um, see, hear, the things we can marvel at, the things we can react to, um, they all find their source in the Word, according to that passage. Although God is spirit and invisible, Through the word, his ideas became palpable, touchable, smellable, feelable realities to us. And then the word became a man in the person of Jesus, the only begotten son of God the Father. As it says here in John 1 and in Hebrews 1, the only begotten son of God the Father. The word became a man in the person of Jesus. And we know that Jesus lived a short remarkable life for which he was called the perfect representation of God the Father. And so while the Father's nature is so very different from ours, we cannot understand. The Son's nature is the same. He came as a man. He came as a human. He is a man. His type of experience is the same type as ours. I think it was in the men's Sunday school class where somebody referred to the verse where we read that Christ was in all ways tempted like as we are. His methods of communication are the same as ours. The word, then, is God's way of describing himself so that we can understand him. This picture includes his creation, his book, his son, all those tangible things that we can attribute to God, they're all manifestations of the Word. And in the Word, we have an opportunity, the only opportunity, to know the Father. As Jesus, the Word became flesh, said, the Father is in him, and no one can come to the Father except by him. Do you appreciate the word this morning? I think that's all I'm going to say. Can we have a song?